Hey, it's Yona Bud, and this is At Your Best Podcast. Thanks for listening in. A place where you explore stories from all across Canada and celebrate how strong we really are, even when we feel at our weakest, maybe not at our best, right? On this episode, we're going to talk to Bob Lagasse. He's a member of the Manitoba Legislative Assembly. Recent opened up in the Assembly about his daily struggles with mental illness. I mean, not just a guy who's just tossing and turning at night. He was looking at ending his life. Listen in. It's going to be an amazing story, an amazing human being profiled at someone really showing themselves in a dark place, but at their best. No matter how difficult it was for him to be vulnerable, Bob really explains why he felt it was so important to get that message out, like a true hero. We also talk with a veteran and a podcast host. His name is Mike um, Menke. And uh, Mike is all about uh, supporting um, veterans and, and through uh, difficult times, but specifically we're profiling someone not at their best, and that's the veterans affairs workers and assistants, whoever answer the phone. When some vets were calling looking for some help with their post-traumatic stress, they were told to maybe look at the medical assistant dying program. Well, first of all, that's against the law. I think you're, you know, to uh, suggest someone uh, take their own life. And maybe the guy was saying, I want to blow my brains out. And they're saying, well, instead of doing that, why don't you do this instead? Who knows? But listen up. It's a great segment as well. Mike is really uh, a remarkable individual and very focused on doing what he can to support uh, veterans and their needs. And in addition, we're going to learn a little bit about uh, one of the most sought after words this year. If you can believe it, gaslighting. We're going to look at that, why it was one of the most sought-after words in the dictionary. I didn't make it up, I swear. It came from the folks that run these dictionaries, and they're telling us that that was the most sought-after word in 2022. Lots to do. Sit back, relax, make yourself cozy. Welcome to At Your Best. I'm your new best friend, Yona Bud. I want to talk, in, in this segment, we're talking really about profiling somebody at their best. And, and it's really kind of what the show is about. We kind of profile people at their best and people maybe not so much at their best, right? And try to come up from away from that with some understanding of what makes somebody you know, better and how can other people get better if they're not there already? Better meaning what, you know, what does best look like for you? Could be different for everybody. But uh, for the purposes of this conversation, uh, my guest this evening um, is profiled uh, as an individual who uh, in his day job uh, represents uh, many, many constituents. He's a politician. Uh, But as part of that, uh, took it upon himself, found the gut-wrenching energy and strength to share his struggles, mental health struggles, uh, with those that he works with in Manitoba. He actually was uh, in front of legislature, I believe, and shared this uh, information in the Legislative Assembly in Manitoba. Um, and his name, uh, for those that don't know, his name is Bob Legacy. And uh, Bob is a representative for Manitoba's Dawson Trail. And the article goes on, there's an article here that sprung this to our attention. Manitoba politician reveals sense of hopelessness in a candid story of recent mental health struggles. He shared that with the CBC. Now, this is a guy who I've gotten to know just a little bit. Uh, being on CBC is, you know, or on any network is certainly coming from what he calls himself a backbencher um, from the back to the front. Um, and doing so puts himself uh, in a difficult spot. Um, I'm sure we're going to get to that in just a second. For for someone like me who suffers with anxiety, anxiety, OCD, and ADD, you know, for me it's easy to talk about because I do it for a living. It's part of my whole life. But for others, maybe like Bob, not such an easy thing to share. Uh, Bob, thanks for joining us this evening. I hope I I did you justice. Well, thank you for having me on the show. 
Bob, let's get let's kind of get to it. Um, we'll get to the actual elements of what makes you, you know, not feel well sometimes. Uh, what made you decide one day to get up and tell your colleagues and and those that you that you work with on a daily basis that you're struggling? What motivated that? So part of the motivation actually started on Facebook. Um, I started to realize that I was stuck in a cycle of of self-harm. Uh, my thoughts were very suicidal. I wanted to, I was actually elaborately plotting out how I could end things for myself. And it wasn't just like one thing that brought me there, but it, it was just this whole entire, well, things that kept piling on me, whether it be fi- family or work or all these things. And I think I just got to this point where I felt extremely hopeless. And in my particular case, I have a very public platform where I can talk to others and encourage them and and kind of say, you know what, it's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to go through it alone. And I, I think for me, I felt like I had to go through it alone there for a bit. When you say alone, Bob, um, family, friends, those close to you, they were also uh, kind of in the dark? Yeah, I think my wife always kind of knew that I would struggle with things, especially because I am diagnosed ADHD mm-hmm. and I wasn't taking anything for that ADHD. So it kind of, she she knew I was me. I tended to be more outgoing, you know, joking all the time. I'd always have a smile on my face, but I think she recognized above all that I kind of had these dark moments. Yeah, and I think it really hit her the day I just came into the coffee shop and because she owns a coffee shop near me and I just started crying. And I think she then realized something more was going on. So for the purposes of sharing with our audience, it, it's, it's you know, the fact that you have ADHD, I have ADD. It's yeah. typically, typically that's not a diagnosis that generally compels one to feel suicidal. Um, ob- obviously, there has to be some depressive stuff going on there as well. Is that fact? Is that a fact, Bob? Well, ADHD and depression do go hand in hand. Yes, they and, do. Uh, yeah. And I think that's what people don't understand. And in my particular case, and I, I genuinely feel a little bit bad about this, although I shouldn't. Once I started treating the ADHD, I was able to break some of the cycles of those thoughts that I wanted to self-harm or that I wasn't worth worth being around or I wasn't worth living, you know, those those things kind of went away with the treatment so Wait, what can you describe the treatment what uh what yeah helped you? I, what's, actually, been, what's been helping you yeah i'm on a concerta med so it um it's already helped within an hour and there i even questioned if it was having a bit of a placebo effect yeah because you know you're always harder on yourself you don't want to accept that maybe it is helping so it did a little research and it turns out that uh concerta starts working within an hour if you need it so uh Okay, so taking the pill for it. What yeah. else? Are you doing any talk therapy? So right now it's only been about two weeks I, or maybe even a week since I shared it. It feels like it's been a lot longer. I do have a therapist that I can go see when I want to see him, and he's very accessible, even to the point that I have his cell number. So he and I can chat. Um, I don't think I'm necessarily fully ready to go talk about it with him at this point simply because with the med the dark thoughts seem to be manageable or gone to a degree 
So I'm not. Right. I don't want to pretend to be your therapist, but you no, it's a, all you, good. You got a guy with four 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 decades of experience, so I got to jump yeah. on this, right? Um, all good. So the meds are great for the symptoms. Yeah, the talk therapy helps you deal with where it comes from. Yeah. So it's it's good now that you got the tummy ache under control. Now you got to figure out what you're eating that gives you a stomach ache. So that I, I don't I don't want to yeah. get into it, but that's I, I highly recommend that if you got somebody that's available that you can talk to. You know, no harm, no foul. You've shared it with the world already. There's no shame yeah. at this point, right? Okay, well, cool. I, I don't think it's even a shame thing for me. I think it's more the fact that there's just been so much that's happened since yeah. this broke, yeah. and yeah. I'm just trying to step back a little. Well, first of all, uh, best thing to do is take a breath and just remain in the moment. As you know, I'm yeah. sure you've been told that. Uh, stay in the moment and just kind of breathe through it and just remind yourself um uh, and, and and I don't know if anybody's told you this, but I'm going to tell you this. What you're doing, this is superhero stuff, buddy. And I know people say, no, don't make me a hero just because I, no, I'm telling you, this is superhero stuff. When it, It's one thing for someone to share at the office, share with their family, maybe share with their buddies on the hockey team that they got some issues. Even that's kind of a, a real stretch. But for someone in the public eye, in, you know, that's in the public on a daily basis, who I'm sure already gets a lot of attention for the kind of work that you do and the platforms that you stand behind um, to stand up and say, Hey, uh, not that I'm, you know, for you to have said, Hey, I have some mental health issues. I need some time to work them through. You know, that would have been more than enough, but yeah. to talk, talk about self-harm going that deep, that dark, you know, talking about self-harm and being able to share that for the sake of benefiting others. And you and I both know, cause we have mental health issues. When you yeah. share that with others, you actually start to feel a little better about yourself too. Right. Like that helps yeah. us. So, yeah. Okay. But yeah. to be able to do that, that's, that's the stuff superheroes are made out of. So I want you to recognize that. I want you to pat yourself on the back. And when you think that you're crumbling a little bit, just recognize how strong you really are. So do you think that there's a stigma that's still attached to this when you, when you shared it, did everybody go, Oh my God, I can't believe it. This is like unbelievable. Or, are people now starting to understand that these kind of revelations of both public and private aren't such a big deal? Yeah. I, you know, so I'll just go with the lived experience of what's happened since the statements been out there in the public and so on. Yeah. we got about um, a minute. Okay. Well, I've had people reach out with some positive stories, especially right. um, about how it's affecting and helping them in their lives. But you also get that negative end of things where, of course you do. And and I recognize just because of my past and history that that's coming from a place of trauma and that they are not necessarily upset with me, but it's something in their life. So that triggers them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. My guest is Bob Legassi. He's the representative for Manitoba Dawson Trail. He shared in legislation in the legislative assembly, excuse me, that uh, in Manitoba that he uh, was struggling with mental health issues and not the kind that, you know, sort of just kind of stuff keeping me awake at night. He was talking about having thoughts of perhaps ending his life. He was giving it some serious consideration. It's only been a couple of weeks and he shared it with the world. He's now a little overwhelmed by everyone who's reaching out some good, some bad. And by the way, all of you negative folks out there that have anything to say other than something nice, like my mother would say, you don't have something nice to say. Don't say anything at all. Bob, welcome back. So great to have you. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, that um, you have a semicolon on your thumb. You mentioned that yeah. to, our, to our producer to remind you that the story isn't done. Um, yeah. I'm 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 interested in that in that um, in that uh, imagery and what that does for you. 
Yeah. So this actually, the semicolon during the pandemic was tattooed onto my thumb, um, partially because some of my family members, my immediate family members, one of my daughters, well, two of my daughters ended up having some mental health issues and, and they were severe enough to the point where they're now on meds to help them get through that. Um, and it just kind of piled on me. And I think the thoughts were there. Well, I'm not going to say I think the thoughts were there. These thoughts have been with me since I was a teen mm -hmm. and probably even earlier, if I want to think Absolutely. that far back. Absolutely. Right. Yep. And it's not blaming anyone. It's not saying that someone else did this to me. It's just part of my existence that I didn't feel comfortable enough to share even with my own family, you know? So these, my girls started struggling and I thought, you know, you guys are the most important people and you're young. There's so much before you. There's so right. much out there, you know, yeah. let's, let, it's not over. It's not over. So I started looking into what the semicolon was about and it really stuck with me. So, yeah. So, um, you know, that there's something to be said about um, uh, genetics as it relates to mental health. There's a lot of studies out there. I don't want to get into it, but, um, you know, it's likely that um, your kids may have some genetic disposition yeah. or it might just be learned behavior based on watching their dad for so many years. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and today I think young people anyway are, are on the top end of their anxiety curve at the best of times. I think it's just a really yeah. tough time to be a kid. Um, Bob, when, when you shared with the legislation, when you, when you were in this legislature and you were, you were sharing with the assembly uh, with your colleagues, what were you hoping to gain? What, 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 what do you think the takeaway was that you were looking for and do you think you achieved it? Well, okay. So I guess it, it helps to come from the place where it started, I guess, for me to realize that something was wrong. And that really came from another member in the Legislative Assembly sharing uh, about a friend's story, Stasia, and how she lost her husband to, to suicide. And basically, I remember sitting in the chamber and listening to this story. And one of the lines was, you check on the strong ones. And I always, yeah. I remember tearing yeah. up at that point, right? And I thought, yeah. you know, I'm trying to present as a strong one, but it, it's kind of okay to crumble every once in a while. So I figured be, by being vulnerable and letting people know that even us in these positions that you think we're, we've got it all together, or you think we've got these magic wands or we can do, you know, these I guess miraculous things a lot of times. Yeah. Superhuman superhuman, right? We are. And and I think that's what people don't view when you look at politicians. You just see, well, we we have the stigma that follows us, but I mean I, I didn't go looking for this job. Yeah. Like this job came upon me. So and yeah, and I think that's probably contributed to the mental health over the years as well right so yeah no kidding especially for someone who doesn't really feel comfortable being out in the in the limelight so to speak yeah. through yourself in the limelight but uh, bob i, I want to go back for a second if you're just joining yeah, us by the way sorry. you're listening to at your best my name is yona bud mike my guest is bob lagasse he's a representative for manitoba dawson trail on the Man manitoba uh, legislative assembly um i wanted to uh go back to you use the word crumble yeah. and uh that you know, for me, uh, talks, um, I think, a lot about uh, falling apart and not being able to put yourself back together yeah. versus versus being broken. Um, I think when if we look at situations where we're broken, we can glue them back together. When we crumble, it's kind of turns to dust. Um, do you feel that you've started to come back from that uh, broken place? Um, clearly you have or you wouldn't have shared. Um, but is this is this whole process 
giving you the, the, the a little bit of strength that maybe you were looking for and realizing that now it's okay to talk about it kind of takes that monkey off your back, so to speak. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it, it's still so fresh. Like, and I yeah. think that's, that's part of the problem with what's going on for me right now is I kind of, you know, I appreciate that people are concerned about me and I appreciate that they want to know how I'm doing and, you know, they're reaching out and, and the support. But I think in that sometimes they don't realize that, yeah, I shared this very vulnerable thing, but I didn't do it for attention. I didn't want what came. I wanted people to be able to understand that it's okay, you know, to, to fall apart sometimes. And But you need to get the help you need because you're here for a reason. There's something miraculously, you know, you're going to help someone. There's some little thing you're going to do in your life that's going to change it for someone else. And maybe in sharing, I was hoping that that's what would happen. I can't exactly give you the exact reason why I thought this would be a fabulous idea, because normally I honor others in that two minute that I talk about, you know, in, in, in the chamber, but it's never really about me. So, so did you, is this, did you, did you, think about this ahead of time or to just kind of get up and go, hang on, I want to share this too. I mean, yeah, what, it, what, what, what was the thought process or was it just, you just reacted? Well, so I, it actually sat for uh, on my desk written for probably I'd say a week before. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I kept revising it and thinking about it and coming back to it and just kind of like, I felt you're saying, I'm not going to use the word broken because it wasn't broken. I was, I was at my lowest at that point. Like yeah. it just, yeah. and I thought, let's put this on paper. And the ADHD component to me, it's very difficult to sit and just yeah. write untreated, like without the meds, right? So I just kept going back to something that should take someone, I guess, 10 minutes to write. It took me probably a, the whole week to figure out. And, and and how did you feel while you were sitting in it for that week? I mean, it's kind of sitting in a, in the pool of yeah. it, right? So that was it. That must've been a very difficult week for you in terms of anxiety and kind of a fear, the tears. fear, yeah. fear and what was going to come out of it. Um, but yeah. at the sa same time, rather cathartic though, right? Well, yeah, it, it was my darkest point. I would say when it came to like, probably in my life, to be honest with you, because I can't go back to a particular like I can't think back to a particular time in my life where I've ever felt that hopeless that I was actively plotting how to end my life. Like right. it just, right. that's, I've never had that sense. And it, it was little things like songs, like talk and his, uh, the song about Mars there, like things like that, that were triggering me to cry. And it, it, there's no reason for that. Right. So right. Yeah, just the emotions were coming. There was a lot going on. And I think the release was kind of writing some of it down. Yeah, so. we talk we, we talk to people a lot about journaling and writing letters, writing letters to their to their bullies, to their to their uh, abusers and so on, writing letters to themselves, the old version of themselves, you know, new person, the new version of Bob writes a letter to the old version of Bob, kind yeah. of a, a dear John letter, so to speak. Um, but I want to flip the switch here a little bit because yeah. I, I get the drift. I understand. Um, I, I again I gotta just, you know, take my hat off to you big time and and uh, just thumbs up, man. You you're an absolute uh, rock star when it comes to coming out of a dark place and, and dealing with a really difficult situation yet sticking with the intent to share for the benefit of others, not just, you know, to some degree, I guess a little bit for you, uh, but we got a, just a bit of time left. And, and the idea of this show is to help people get to be a little bit better. So how did you give us some, some, we got a couple of minutes here, give us some, um, some ways that you managed to cope uh, with the struggles before 
and then since sharing? So for myself, when I was a kid, um, my parents, the stigma with the meds, right? It was not a thing they considered. So I learned a lot of coping mechanisms as a child and into my teens. And I think for the first time in my life, I had tried some of the treatments that were available in my early 20s. And those treatments, unfortunately, had the side effect of high blood pressure and those sort of things, which I already had a genetic disposition to. So a lot of me not wanting to seek treatment, um, especially for the ADHD, was this irrational fear that the med was going to somehow kill me. Yeah. Like I was going to have a heart attack or I guess those are my anxieties I'm talking about there. Exactly. Um, I kind of giggle a little bit about it, but it is, it's a hundred percent an anxiety. Right? right. And so getting the help I needed was literally going to my family doctor. And I can remember sitting in the room and thinking, you know, I'm, I'm an imposter in here. Like, why am I even bringing this up? She's going to think this, this and that. And you know, all the scenarios that are going through your head that aren't factual. Exactly. I and talk- yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm just getting ready to wrap it up here, Bob. We're, yeah. we're, we definitely thank you so much for sharing uh, publicly and sharing with us here tonight. Uh, you know, anything we can ever do to help, we're here for you. Uh, talking to Bob Legacy, he's uh, just one of those people who just takes it upon himself at any cost to try to make people's lives a little better. That's probably why you're a politician. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for being on the show. I want to have a, an amazing, uh, amazing guest uh, about a, not such an amazing story in terms of it, it, it's a, it's a mind boggling story, but I have an amazing guest with us uh, who's going to join us here in just a minute. And what we're really talking about is a, it's something I read about, heard about, and was frankly sick to my stomach. Um, overall, in the past months and other shows I've done um, in other networks, um, we've done some stuff around MAID, which is the Medical Assisted Dying Program, talked a lot about what it means to actually qualify. And now that there's beyond just physical requirements, now there's an opportunity for those that have severe mental health issues to qualify. That scares me, to be honest. It's something that makes me really nervous. So then I'm, I'm looking at this article. It says, Veteran Affairs Assisted Dying Probe for people. Four people, four vets, four hardworking, life—you know—challenging uh, guys that are giving it up to keep us safe. Come back to Canada, come back to home, reach out to Veterans Affairs to get some help. End up talking to this person. We don't know who this person is yet. I don't believe. And start. This person suggests that maybe medical assisted dying might be a solution for their. I guess, post-traumatic stress, something like that. I guess we don't really know the depth of the story so far, but hopefully my guest will share that with us. And then Veteran Affairs Ministers, uh, Minister Lawrence McCauley, he was in the House of Commons, so was my, was my guest. Um, and they were talking about this and how, you know, how perturbed everybody is that this situation exists. And it seems like everybody's so surprised um, by the fact that there's someone that has loose lips that's suggesting the people that are reaching out, vets that are reaching out for help, that maybe they should look at, um, you know, ending their life. Made me sick to my stomach. <clears throat> I'm sure my guest, his name is Mark Meinke. He is a former Canadian soldier. He's a veteran advocate. And he's the host of something called Operation Tango Romeo, which I really want to hear about because I love those call signs. It's a trauma recovery podcast for uh, Canadian Forces members. And we want to join with him, have him join us here today to talk about this story. Uh, I understand he also has some late-breaking stuff that we can share as well. Uh, joining us here at on At Your Best is Mark Menke. Mark, um, what's going on? And thanks for joining us. 
Thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. The uh, the more we cover this, the better. Um, I might actually end up on Tucker Carlson uh, very shortly here. So you got me first. <laughs> okay, good. Well, it's a, that's the big leagues if you're talking to Tucker. So what are, what are we talking about? I mean, so we're, you know, we know that you've been in front of the House of Commons. Um, we understand that this is an issue. Uh, people are, you know, vet, veteran uh, advocates are up in arms about how this could continue. Uh, in fact, I understand it's illegal to to give this kind of advice. It can be considered, uh, what's, there's a law here against it, something to do with um, contributing to manslaughter or something, or there's something about a law here that deals with um, people who, you know, suggest this kind of stuff, put themselves in their own peril um, as a result of it, because there's some kind of uh, a law against this kind of behavior when you're suggesting that people uh, take their lives in such a way. Um, what, what's your take on it and, and what's going on? Bring us up to date. Let me start with the conclusion and work my way back. Perfect. So yes, there is a law. It is illegal to counsel suicide. And as of about 20 minutes ago, um, I have proof that both the prime minister and minister McCauley are accessories to that crime. Wow. The conclusion here is this, their, their storyline that this was just one rogue agent. I also have uh, proof from two different sources. So two different sources of proof that that is not true. And not only is it not true, the prime minister knew it wasn't true when he just said today it was just one and that person is no longer. So they didn't even bother to fire her. So is this, are you telling me this is systemic? Yes. And when yes. you talk, and when I, you, and so I have truth talk, from when, two different oh, sources. I'm going to take you at your word. You're a, a credible guy. You're, uh, we've done our due diligence. So I, I take you at your word until someone disproves it. Um, if such a case, if such a thing exists, give me an idea. Are we talking about a couple more people? Or are we talking about eight more people? Like how systemic is this? And how many vets do you think have it's a double question here? Because I think you can handle both. Um, a, how many people are perpetrating? And more importantly, how many more vets that we don't know about? are being talked to like this. The, the minister just testified that, and the only reason he testified, or he didn't, he just came up with that statement is because I had a, a, a veteran by the name, by the pseudonym Bruce come forward to me and I struck while the iron was hot. While the, uh, we were on record, I convinced him and he was brave enough to tell his story on my show very, very quickly. So it was a 10 minute testimony and I published it. I sent it to everybody that um, all the different ministers, National Post, everybody got a, um, has listened to this episode, which was like one episode ago. And in this, he says, yeah, I was offered made. And uh, and the circumstances under which yeah, that let, can I can I stop you there for a second? Offered yeah. made for what? What was his like? What was what was he calling for? He was you calling know, for help with for with uh, this one was for PTSD. Okay. So he's like, look, I need help. I'm having suicidal thoughts. It's driving me nuts. I can't stand it anymore. I need help. And they said, well, if you can't stand it anymore, have you considered medically assisted in dying? We can offer that for you if you like. Was there any therapy involved in his process? Is, in, 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 was there any part of this where they suggested that he could get other help? Like perhaps, you know, no, was there they didn't. They didn't offer anything for him other than death. And um, and he was just desperate. He was just asking for help. And then when they said this, he's like, what are you talking about? I'm, <laughs> I'm not asking to die. I'm asking to live. I'm asking you to help me live my life, not end it. And um, with it. And then she said the exact same thing as what happened in my testimony 
in Ottawa, which was, well, yeah, you know, but if up the road, you change your mind. Yeah. So planting that seed. So if ever you should uh, be considering suicide, you don't got to blow your brains out against the wall. One of them said, you can just call us and we'll do it in a kinder, gentler, more compassionate way. Cause we're, we're here to help. How much of that you think is actually going on? I'm trying to get numbers. If you can guess. So, or, so here's I the mean, numbers. You're, you're bringing, uh, you're one guy here, one guy there, but minister Macaulay said that there was four. When he said there was four, the only reason that he um, said that at all was because of Bruce coming on my show the night before, which proved it was more than just one. Because first, when I testified, they um, said, oh, there's just one. This is just one isolated incident. It's never happened to anybody else. Then I had somebody else come on a show and tell the story. Then they're in the spin factory. And they said, okay, 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 okay. So yeah, it's, it's happened four times, he said. But it's only one agent is now the story. But when he said there was, it it has happened four times, that didn't include Bruce. So Bruce makes five. That didn't improve, that did not include Christine Gauthier, who just came forward, who has copies of the letters she sent to Macaulay in 2021, saying that she was offered maid. What the hell? What's up with this? So he had that letter in his hand. Mark, do we know how many? Um, do we know how many people have actually taken him, taking taken somebody up on this? Like they've uh, admitted okay. one. They've admitted one. So back, uh, Veterans Affairs Canada has admitted that there is one dead veteran because of this. Based on your on your connections, though, one would suggest you probably have an excellent ear to the ground. Um, what are your folks telling you? Is it more than one? We don't know. All I know for sure is that there is absolutely more than one caseworker. That is a fact. And I have it from two different sources, from two different angles, for two different reasons. So there is more than one case worker. If there was more than one case worker, uh, then this is systemic. My guest is Mark Meinke. He is a former Canadian soldier. He's a veteran advocate, and he hosts a podcast called Operation Tango Romeo. Hopefully we can get to that in a minute. Right now he's on fire. He's discovering some things. You can tell how passionate he is about taking care of these vets and making sure that when they call Veterans Affairs for support around their post-traumatic stress, someone isn't suggesting that maybe they take their life and, and sign up for MAID. And they can help them with that, they say. One person's already dead as a result of that that we know. So clearly we're presenting someone not at their best. These agents are not at their best, but someone who is at their best, in fact, is my guest, Mark Meinke. Thanks for staying with us tonight, Mark. Um when when a veteran is in a mental distress um, and they they call for help, what what treatment supports um, are they are they supposed to be given in terms of what's the what's the protocol when they call vet affairs and talk to somebody? And that's question one. Question two: Who are they talking to? When someone picks up the other end of the phone, are these trained responders or someone just answering a line? Excellent, excellent question. So in the uh, testimony from Veterans Affairs, they said that suicide prevention training was an hour and a half, an hour and a half. I took a two full day, eight hour a day mental health first aid course that's all about suicide intervention. And as a peer supporter through the Department of National Defense, I took a five day, all day, every day, suicide prevention course. And so that's a combination of seven days 
And I barely consider myself anywhere near qualified for a good suicide intervention, even though I do them all the time. Okay. So and they got us- an hour and a half. Okay. I get it. So um, we're going to, we're going to try to get through some questions here. So I'm going to try to limit your responses a little bit. I mean, I'd let you go on fire if we had hours, but we don't listen to me, man. And we'll definitely have you come back. So it's not your last chance. Um, wow. So we know what's going on. We have a, we have, we've pointed a finger at it. Um, you got them on the run in Ottawa in terms of paying attention in the meantime, What's the likelihood that people that might have originally reached out to uh, Veterans Affairs for support, knowing what they know now, um, are fearful of making that call and uh, perhaps aren't getting the help that they could be if uh, Veterans Affairs wasn't uh, uh, living with the stink that's on them right now? I'm a part of numerous, numerous groups, and I'm already seeing those exact comments. Those exact comments where I will never call Veterans Affairs again. I will never trust them again. And that is a trust that's been broken, and I don't know how they could ever fix it. Um, we we need to hit reset and do, and have a mulligan on Veterans Affairs. It needs to be a complete transformation from the ground up. There's calls from the RCMP to investigate Vet Affairs for this kind of stuff. Um, should jail time be on the table for these people? We know yes. that it's a four, we know it's a 14 year sentence um, if you uh, if you counsel suicide, right? So. Um, you think that this we should push this? And um, I mean, my answer to the question is absolutely these. We, we've got to put an end to this before it becomes 20 people doing it right. There's got to be a deterrent and jail time would definitely be a deterrent. You and your you and your supporters are believers in the same way, correct? Yes, 100 percent. And the thing is, this goes up to the top. This was this was their policy. Now they're pretending that it wasn't. So they're in cover their butt mode. And whoever first brought this in as, hey, we got this cool new policy uh, policy to help veterans. Somebody brought this in. It is official. And that's the truth. And only an external investigation is going to get to it. And what better way than having the Mounties uh, go in as an external investigation? But I don't want the Mounties to do it. It should be somebody else because the Mounties are paid by the federal government. Okay, so, so OPP okay. maybe, but not the Mounties. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so you know what? I, I think we've profiled per- people uh, at their worst here uh, in terms of giving bad advice to those that need positive advice, um, supportive advice. I deal with suicidal patients and, and folks all the time and uh, veterans often as well. Uh, and, you know, you know what you need to do because not only did you do the training, but clearly you're, you're a compassionate brother. Uh, from from that uh, environment and from that force. So, you, you know, just your heart tells you to be a little bit more compassionate. So I want to turn the spotlight a little bit. We got about five minutes or so left. I want to turn the spotlight a little bit on on you, Mark, um, because I think, you know, part of the, the concept of this show is to is to uh, profile people at their best. Um, and I think that this is a, an opportunity to share with people, you know, kind of the stuff that you're doing. I want to know more about operation tango romeo and specifically how you came up with the cool name i i just love it i wish i could you know come up with a way to use that as a name for myself anything like call call signs like that i just <laughs> find find super cool but um give me an idea of what uh, what you're doing on your podcast and, and how you're helping people so in 1994 i was in croatia during the genocide and i was injured there with ptsd but i didn't know it because nobody was talking about it and i went 23 years undiagnosed 
before finally, by the suggestion of my wife, uh, I finally, finally reached out for help. And it was a thousand pound telephone. It is, it was so hard to reach out for help, but I did. Royal, Royal Canadian Legion uh, got me going, um, opened up a case file to Veterans Affairs Canada and started rolling forward. As part of the healing process, it took, there was a 10 month gap between me putting up my hand and a therapist being available 10 months. Wow. So I'm like, well, how the hell do you fill this gap? And part of the, one of the ways I did is with peer support, a friend of mine, John senior was running peer support groups for, for veterans and first responders. And I started to attend begrudgingly, but I did it. It turned out it was the best thing I could have done. I ended up being the facilitator running these peer support groups. Then I thought, you know, people are driving two or three hours just to get, be a part of this group. It's obviously important to them. So how can I make it bigger? So I created Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast uh, to scale it. It's now in 70 countries. And the the Tango Romeo stands for trauma recovery. I, I heard that. I love it. I love it. I love it. I so it's think. Operation Trauma Recovery. And um, can I get a sweatshirt? Is there a sweatshirt or a t-shirt or a hat I could get yet? That, that says, <laughs> well, uh, tang- you know what? I'm going to ask Tango. your listeners, anybody yeah, uh, that sells, I hate selling shirts. So if anybody that sells shirts or hoodies, call me, I'm, I'm going to ask for $1 per hoodie or per t-shirt. <laughs> so if somebody would do it for me, I used to make mission patches and, uh, and sell them, but I, yeah. I hate, I hate mailing things. I don't know. It's a, it's a thing. So if anybody wants to do that, give me a call. You can keep all the proceeds minus a dollar that you can give to wounded warriors or something. And, uh, and let's get it. That's maybe uh, I I actually coach for a promotions company. uh, So maybe after we can get a hold of each other sometime after this and book me up, I'll I'll do what I can to help you out. Okay. So uh, operation tango Romeo, it's a podcast um, available across all the networks, I assume. Yes. Okay. Um, Let's get to you a little bit. Okay, let's 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 talk a little bit about Mark and, and kind of what makes you tick. Um, you know, with the frustration that you have, I find my let, let me rephrase it. I find myself as a therapist and as a coach sometimes, you know, I, I often get frustrated uh with kind of what I call being stuck in the mud, you know, just working with someone that's just either not getting it, maybe I'm not delivering it properly, who knows? Just we're not making progress. Um as a as a uh, as a as a soldier, as a warrior, uh, as an advocate, um, you know, as a human being, uh, what pushes you through when you find yourself up against frustration? Because I'm sure in the world you're living in, you 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 come across it daily. What mission and vision? You? So what that so in order, how how do you get to be your best each day? Mission and vision. I stick to the mission and vision. A good friend of mine, Paul Watts, owns an incredible sales training company called Base Over Apex, and Uh, he taught me how to make a a mission statement. Mine is to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. So that's my true North. And that's what keeps me going on the darker days when I really don't feel like uh, doing a show or doing more prospecting to get guests on the show. I just remember my mission and vision that I'm standing in the gap and that mission and vision provides me the true North and the sense of purpose to keep going. And then, uh, and I just shared actually my most recent episode, how to transform yourself into the person you want to be. And it's all about habits and start small. (laughs) 
It's all about habits. Sound like you're, you're you're jumping into my knitting a little bit. How to train? Yeah, I, I, that's my expertise is in behavioral change. So we're on the same train together, brother. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, uh, there's a new program in Toronto. It's being rolled out called Better Train. Uh, so officers to deal with veterans who may be in distress. Are you familiar with that program? Uh, only cursory, uh, but I know it's a good idea. Um, uh, again, my friend John Senior has been that guy more than once, and it's essential. You don't need to set in a, a SWAT team, have a brother show up and we can talk them down because we speak their language. And uh, if, if not all of us could talk them down, but people like John senior, people like myself, I can show up to a hot scene. Yep. Uh, make, where, a big, where, make a big difference quickly. Thank you. Yeah, I can, I can deescalate it for sure. I can. I don't know if you know anything about gaslighting ever been gaslit? Have you ever gaslit somebody else? Why am I bringing it up? Let me tell you why. According to Merriam-Webster's Word of the Year for 2022, gaslighting was looked up more than any other word in the dictionary. Lookups for the word on merriam-webster.com increased 1,740% in 2022 over the year before. It's the word that has risen so quickly in the English language, especially in the last four years. This isn't a good thing, by the way, folks, that it's actually came out a surprise to uh, me, according to Peter Sokolowski. He's Merriam-Webster's editor-at-large. He did an interview with the Associated Press and shared this. It's a word looked up frequently, up frequently every single day of the year, he said. Gaslighting is a heinous tool, frequently used by abusers in relationships, politicians, and other newsmakers. It can happen when between romantic partners within a broader family unit and even among your best friends. Yes, it can. It can be a corporate tactic or a way to mislead the public. There's also medical gaslighting when a healthcare professional dismisses a patient's symptoms or illnesses all in your head. Despite its relatively recent prominence, including Gaslighter, the Chicks 2020 album featuring the, the rousingly angry titular single the word was brought to life more than 80 years ago with Gaslight, a 1938 play by Patrick Hamilton, shown in a few movies as well, been shown and and, uh, and, and actually portrayed. Um, anyway, listen, here's the deal. Gaslighting is an emotional abusive tool. It is not good. I have a situation with a particular patient of mine. She's been in a marriage for a long time out of the marriage, during the marriage, was being gaslit constantly. What is being gaslit? What does it mean to be gaslit? Pretending not to understand when you do. Labeling your partner's thoughts as crazier or imagined. Questioning the other person's memory or of, of events when they remember correctly. Basically making them think that they're crazy. Ever see that on a couple of movies and TV shows? Sure you have. Of course you have. Pretending to forget what actually occurred. When you actually do remember denying promises that, you know, you were made that made and trivialize trivializing, excuse me, the other person's feelings as being too sensitive when their reaction is really somewhat more normal. You know, it's very, you know, it goes like this. Your partner's upset when you found it, when you, when you, for some, you know, found something you did, you're honest about it. And then they, you know, you, it was your best moment. You share it. And then it comes back to haunt you in some way, right? Next thing you know, everything is your fault. In this particular case, this patient that I'm talking about, been in a marriage a long time, excellent, excellent mother, excellent uh, friend, colleague, um, very uh, you know good housekeeper, sir, was in a, you know, as it turns out, a very abusive relationship for a very long time. But even now, 
as we're as she's into the uh, part of separation where they're dealing with assets and all those kinds of things like people do in 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 different uh, when they break up relationships if there's assets to share and, and exchange and divide it's usually not so friendly but in this thing there's documents flowing back and forth where the individual is sharing stories about my my patient my client that are just absolutely untrue but the sad the sad fact is she actually stops and thinks about it as maybe being true which is really a problem when someone puts blows smoke at you makes you feel bad about something you didn't do or forgot about or you know says oh i never said that and you know for sure that they did basically trying to make you think and second guess yourself that works on your confidence works on who you are as a person works on your self esteem works on all the things that aren't good and the effects of gaslighting let me tell you they seem relatively harmless at the time but over time this pattern causes the targeted person to feel confused anxious isolated and depressed in other words it hurts them i've known of stories of situations i've had patients in the past decide that they want to kill themselves hopefully they you know not hopefully at the end of thankfully at the end of the day they didn't but hopefully it's not something that most people have to deal with but the gaslighting was so bad that they just needed to take they they wanted to end their lives and i'm sure although I don't have direct examples, I'm sure that there's many situations where su suicide was prompted or preempted, if you will, by being gaslit in a negative or toxic situation. It's a horrible thing. It's absolutely devastating when you start to have someone second-guessing themselves, rethinking themselves, wondering if what they said was right, what, 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 if what they saw was real. Did he really say that to me? No, no, I, I, I must have been, I must have been imagining it. You say to yourself, "It's not possible." How's that possible? He could say such a thing. She could say such a thing. We're typically gaslit by the people that are close to us, because they have the opportunity to do so. Because it matters more when you hear something negative or something critical from someone that you care about or you think cares about you. Sometimes the most toxic relationships are with. Family, loved ones, parents, siblings, spouses, children, if you can believe it. And gaslighting is part of those negative, toxic relationships where, where one or the other or both, it's usually one person dominating over another, uses these gaslighting techniques so that what you do say, what you do think has little merit even to you. And when one starts to second-guess themselves, when we start to rethink who we are and what's right and what's wrong and what's real and not real, I can tell you, my friends, as someone with OCD, ADD, and anxiety disorder, I've got my own issues. I deal with my own stuff on a daily basis trying to figure out if what I'm feeling is really what I'm feeling or if it's fabricated or it's just part of an, ang an anxious response or part of my OCD or an after effect of the ADD experience that I might have had in the morning. But for many of us, this kind of gaslighting comes from people who go out of their way to abuse us. Yes, to go out of their way to abuse us. This is abuse at its highest level. Gaslighting is an opportunity, psychological manipulation that is so subtle that over time it just chips away, chips away, and chips away at a person's sanity or what they believe is their sanity. They have a really hard time starting to understand if what they believe is real anymore. 
if what I heard was real anymore, if what I'm doing is actually what I think I'm doing, and you start to second guess everything that you do. And once you start to do that, everything breaks down. When we lose that level of confidence, when we don't have that sense of, you know, self, where we actually understand where it comes from. It's dysfunctional behavior that usually comes from the past. It's often rooted in our past. Often people that take advantage of us use gaslighting to manipulate. You know, parents do it with children all the time. Keeping a child's addiction, for example, a family secret. They manipulate children by keeping, you know, secrets from other, you know, keep, keep it looking like everything is wonderful at home when it's not. Gaslighting kids to believe that what they think is real isn't. Parents do it all the time. It's a horrible thing, horribly destructive. So if you look at the gaslighting techniques that we talked about, what people are doing, how they're gaslighting you by pretending not to understand you, labeling your par- your partner's thoughts with, of, of being crazy or, or, or imagined, questioning the other person's memory of events, pretending to forget what actually occurred, denying promises or trivializing the other person's feelings. The way to undo these things, my friend, is to find yourself in positive relationships to find yourself what you need, that energy that you need to keep reminding yourself that that's not me, that you take the negative chatter, the negative talk that you hear from others and you overcome that with positive self-talk. Remind yourself from experience how good you are and how solid your memory is and how the person who's gaslighting you really doesn't have your best interest at heart and all they're doing is instead of punching you, they're using their words to take your breath away. It's an awful thing. If you're in a relationship like that, you need to try to get out of it or certainly get some help around it. It's very, very, very detrimental, especially if you see it happening with children. That's a really big deal. It's a real problem if you see a parent or an adult, perhaps a school teacher sometimes, gaslighting a kid, making them feel like they don't belong. They don't know what they're doing. They eat away at their insecurities. Not a healthy thing to do. I don't know if you know anything about gaslighting. Ever been gaslit? Have you ever gaslit somebody else? Why am I bringing it up? Let me tell you why. According to Merriam-Webster's Word of the Year for 2022, gaslighting was looked up more than any other word in the dictionary. Lookups for the word on Merriam-Webster.com increased 1,740% in 2022 over the year before. It's the word that has risen so quickly in the English language especially in the last four years, this isn't a good thing, by the way, folks, that it's actually came out a surprise to uh, me, according to Peter Sokolowski. He's Merriam-Webster's editor-at-large. He did an interview with the Associated Press and shared this. It's a word looked up frequently, up frequently every single day of the year, he said. Gaslighting is a heinous tool, frequently used by abusers in relationships, politicians, and other newsmakers. It can happen when between romantic partners within a broader family unit and even among your best friends. Yes, it can. It can be a corporate tactic or a way to mislead the public. There's also medical gaslighting when a healthcare professional dismisses a patient's symptoms or illnesses all in your head. Despite its relatively recent prominence, including Gaslighter, the Chicks 2020 album featuring the, the rousingly angry titular single, the word was brought to life more than 80 years ago with Gaslight, a 1938 play by Patrick Hamilton, shown in a few movies as well, been shown and in, in, uh, 
and, and actually portrayed. Um, anyway, listen, here's the deal. Gaslighting is an emotional abusive tool. It is not good. I have a situation with a particular patient of mine. She's been in a marriage for a long time. Out of the marriage, during the marriage, was being gaslit constantly. What is being gaslit? What does it mean to be gaslit? Pretending not to understand when you do. Labeling your partner's thoughts as crazier or imagined. Questioning the other person's memory or of, of events when they remember correctly. Basically, making them think that they're crazy. Ever see that on a couple of movies and TV shows? Sure you have. Of course you have. Pretending to forget what actually occurred when you actually do remember. Denying promises that you know you were made, that made and trivialize, trivializing excuse me, the other person's feelings as being too sensitive when their reaction is really somewhat more normal. You know, it's very, you know, it goes like this. Your partner is upset when you found, when you, when you for some, you know, found something you did, you're honest about it. And then they, you know, you, you, it was your best moment. You share it. And then it comes back to haunt you in some way, right? Next thing you know, everything is your fault. In this particular case, this patient that I'm talking about, been in a marriage a long time, excellent, excellent mother, excellent uh, friend, colleague, um, very, uh, you know, good housekeeper was in a, as it turns out, a very abusive relationship for a very long time. But even now, as we're in, as she's into the uh, part of separation where they're dealing with assets and all those kinds of things like people do in, in, in different, uh, when they break up relationships, if there's assets to share and, and exchange and divide, it's usually not so friendly. But in this thing, there's documents flowing back and forth where the individual is sharing stories about my my patient, my client, that are just absolutely untrue. But the sad the sad fact is, she actually stops and thinks about it as maybe being true, which is really a problem. When someone puts blows smoke at you, makes you feel bad about something you didn't do or forgot about, or you know says, "Oh, I never said that," and you know for sure that they did. Basically, trying to make you think and second guess yourself. That works on your confidence, works on who you are as a person, works on your self esteem. Works on all the things that aren't good. And the effects of gaslighting, let me tell you, they seem relatively harmless at the time, but over time, this pattern causes the targeted person to feel confused, anxious, isolated, and depressed. In other words, it hurts them. I've known of stories of situations. I've had patients in the past decide that they want to kill themselves. Hopefully, they, you know, not hopefully at the end of, thankfully, at the end of the day, they didn't, but Hopefully, it's not something that most people have to deal with. But the gaslighting was so bad that they just needed to take, they, they wanted to end their lives. And I'm sure, although I don't have direct examples, I'm sure that there's many situations where su suicide was prompted or preempted, if you will, by being gaslit in a negative or toxic situation. It's a horrible thing. It's absolutely devastating when you start to have someone second-guessing themselves rethinking themselves, wondering if what they said was right, what, 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 if what they saw was real. Did he really say that to me? No, no, I, 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 must have been, I must have been imagining it, you say to yourself. It's not possible. How's that possible? He could say such a thing. She could say such a thing. We're typically gaslit by the people that are close to us because they have the opportunity to do so. Because it matters more when you hear something negative or something critical from someone that you care about or you think cares about you. Sometimes the most toxic relationships are with family, loved ones, parents, siblings, 
spouses, children, if you can believe it. And gaslighting is part of those negative toxic relationships where, where one or the other or both, it's usually one person dominating over another, uses these gaslighting techniques so that what you do say, what you do think has little merit even to you. And when one starts to second guess themselves, when we start to rethink who we are and what's right and what's wrong and what's real and not real, I can tell you, my friends, as someone with OCD, ADD, and anxiety disorder, I've got my own issues. I deal with my own stuff on a daily basis trying to figure out if what I'm feeling is really what I'm feeling or if it's fabricated or it's just part of an an anxious response or part of my OCD or an after effect of the ADD experience that I might have had in the morning. But for many of us, this kind of gaslighting comes from people who go out of their way to abuse us. Yes, to go out of their way to abuse us. This is abuse at its highest level. Gaslighting is an opportunity, psychological manipulation that is so subtle that over time it just chips away, chips away, and chips away at a person's sanity or what they believe is their sanity. They have a really hard time starting to understand if what they believe is real anymore, if what I heard was real anymore, if what I'm doing is actually what I think I'm doing, and you start to second-guess everything that you do. And once you start to do that, everything breaks down. When we lose that level of confidence, when we don't have that sense of you know, self, where we actually understand where it comes from, It's dysfunctional behavior that usually comes from the past. It's often rooted in our past. Often people that take advantage of us use gaslighting to manipulate. You know, parents do it with children all the time. Keeping a child's addiction, for example, a family secret. They manipulate children by keeping, you know, secrets from other, you know, keep keep it looking like everything is wonderful at home when it's not. Gaslighting kids to believe that what they think is real isn't. Parents do it all the time. It's a horrible thing, horribly destructive. So if you look at the gaslighting techniques that we talked about, what people are doing, how they're gaslighting you by pretending not to understand you, labeling your your partner's thoughts of of being crazy or, or imagined, questioning the other person's memory of events, pretending to forget what actually occurred, denying promises or trivializing the other person's feelings. The way to undo these things, my friend, is to find yourself in positive relationships to find yourself what you need, that energy that you need to keep reminding yourself that that's not me, that you take the negative chatter, the negative talk that you hear from others and you overcome that with positive self-talk. Remind yourself from experience how good you are and how solid your memory is and how the person who's gaslighting you really doesn't have your best interest at heart and all they're doing is instead of punching you, they're using their words to take your breath away. It's an awful thing. If you're in a relationship like that, you need to try to get out of it or certainly get some help around it. It's very, very, very detrimental, especially if you see it happening with children. That's a really big deal. It's a real problem if you see a parent or an adult, perhaps a school teacher sometimes, gaslighting a kid, making them feel like they don't belong, they don't know what they're doing, they eat away at their insecurities. Not a healthy thing to do. (laughs) 